everybody. This is Justin back with another podcast with uh, someone I know. Well, I didn't really know him as a kid. He was just this mystery figure, but I got to know him later in life. All of the stories I could tell of him as a big brother and the places he took me and left me. But we'll get into that later. I, without further ado, I want to introduce my brother, Jason Lyons. Hi, Jason. Hi. How you doing? Good. Uh, my first uh, virtual COVID. Jason's in quarantine. He's had COVID. He got COVID seven times <laughs> so far. I don't know why. Yeah. We told him to stay off the dating apps, but, you know, <laughs> he has an addiction. No, just kidding. He's not in quarantine. Uh, but hopefully this works. And uh, if it does, then it opens up the world of a lot of different people you can talk to. Um, so Jason is my brother, my, my older brother by five and a half years, I think. Uh, so you want to introduce yourself? Anything interesting? Yeah. You? You so kids? I'm uh, Jason Lyons. I'm 48. I like... No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can look me up on uh, on Tinder. It's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, my hair is always always my hair. Wet. like uh, I did that, <laughs> to just Rand get out Paul? of the tower. Is that is that, uh, <laughs> that the dude that hair Rand Paul? Looks? Let's talk about Rand Paul's hair. <laughs> that is that's actually what I'm going for. Permanent, you know, look. libertarian neo Confederate chic. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm going for. No, so I'm uh, yeah I'm 48. I live in Northwest Indiana. It took me about 10 years to actually. Uh, come to terms with the fact that I live in Indiana. Uh, I have three daughters. I don't know how old they are. So I'm going to guess one just turned 11. One is going to turn 13 in a couple of weeks. And I think one's like 14 and a half ish. Did I get that right? Yeah. It's I think you did. All right. I, I, it's hard for me to, believe Lily is that old? Yeah. Jeez. Well, she's tiny, you know, she yeah, hasn't hit the growth spurt yet. I, never, um, I think it's hard for me to comprehend that she's right behind miles like that. She is, uh, she makes up for it in indignation, righteous indignation and attitude. Oh, she's just a, she's just girl power. I told her that her middle name, we changed her middle name legally to, <laughs> <laughs> she's really doing that now mm. oh yeah mm. why do i have to do that like oh okay and then dad comes out like like our dad oh, our dad comes mm. out of my mouth but the problem and i is don't even know where it comes from it, it's our dad's only effective on boys <laughs> was he though it's me i think i was the only one he was a fa i was the only one terrified of the man I don't know. Uh, you guys never seem to be very scared of him but i was terrified oh no that's that's an interesting yeah no no i was scared when when mom would say wait till your father gets home i knew that my my day was over the fun was <laughs> it was done your week maybe yeah. your life the only thing worse than hearing that is hearing your mother start crying then you know I'm probably going to die. I'm probably not going to make it through this. I do um, think that she yeah. got the Tabasco sauce on the tongue, potentially the ruler, the yardstick. Some of those things. I think they got the, the, the belt. I, I just remember being threatened by the snappy belt. I don't know if I ever got hit by it. Uh, that might've been more of a threat. I no, think I got, they got, I got all, all that those. out on you. 
who is it <laughs> that, so we that, they had ping pong paddles we didn't have a ping pong table but we had ping pong <laughs> paddles I don't know. Maybe there was a table before, you know, like pre kids. I, I think that was just a staple in the late seventies, early eighties at it's, home. Like it's every like dad had a, at, at a the cabinet. baby shower, they got a, you had to open it up, and there would be like the belt and the ruler and the yardstick and the paddles. And they always saved like the first beating, like that that paddle. Like they never used it again. And you know, I like, just remember the last time. I want to say it's the last time they like used an implement. They broke the ping pong paddle on my ass. Dad did. It broke. And I just remember, I just remember thinking, oh, now I'm really in trouble. I broke the paddle with my butt. And I, my, and dad just started kind of laughing and I was like, oh, cool. I guess we're not going (laughs) to, we're not, we're not going to do this anymore. And they didn't break in the favor. I don't remember getting hit by the. No, the, the, the big one was the, uh, was the top of the head, the whack. Oh yeah. Yeah. Get your attention in church or behind the, in the seats in the car, the thwack, thwack, thwack. Yeah. But I was always in the middle seat. So he got me on the road trip. I was done. You had nowhere to go. You know, I could duck left. Jeremy could duck, right? Yeah. And then I just just got it. Mm -hmm. And then you guys would hit me for no reason. Yeah. 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 I try to tell miles. No, there's always a reason. Cause you're smaller and uh, yeah. Shit flows downhill. I, I, I haven't been able to do that to my kids. I, the worst I did to miles is I grabbed his ear and I twisted it a little bit when he was being absolutely obnoxious, but then he, there's, he's so overly dramatic that it didn't even, like I couldn't even in, inflict pain before I even inflicted pain. He was dropping to his knees. Like I was murdering him oh and gosh. I had to let go. Like, well, I can't do this. Oh <laughs> I don't even think I had his ear like half twisted and he was, you know, was this in, was this at uh, home or was this in public? I was uh, on the way to school. Okay. When he was, what is that white man doing to that black child? Yeah. That's what I'm realizing now. I, it it used to be okay, but apparently not uh, (laughs) anymore. Yeah. Well, we used to be able to joke about me being the white daddy and they're the Brown kids and miles saying, get in that tanning salon and become my Brown daddy, you know, but like these jokes aren't even funny. Like people can't laugh anymore. (laughs) That's my new Tinder handle. My Brown daddy. (laughs) You're going to have to edit that Uh, one out too. Okay. So I want to ask you a, a question. Um, what was the worst thing you did as a kid and why? Oh gosh, you know, now you could take that why on a superficial level. Oh, the why really deep. The why, the why, I'll answer the why before I even give you what it was. Cause I don't know what it's it was, but like I'll, tell you, I'll tell why. you why. Cause I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, and, and I, and I can say that there's a lot, I've done a lot of soul searching actually. No, it was, uh, Oh gosh. How old is Annabelle? 13 is probably 10 years ago. And she had drawn in Sharpie, uh, like cat, like black eyes and whiskers on Lily. <laughs> and, and I'm just like, Sharpie. I'm like, why did you do this? And she like, looked at me, like she looked at the, like, it was a trick question. She's like, I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> and I was just like, ah. okay. I just got to make sure I don't kill this kid. 
because she's going to be true. successful at yeah, whatever she does. Yeah, the short answer is because I want, like, why? Because I want yeah. to. That's what I want. Yeah, I mean, do. I can rationalize anything, but the so when I was a kid, uh, I, I want to say I was I was under seven years old. I was probably closer to maybe four or five, and this was when we lived in Kansas, right? And we lived in a neighborhood that was still being developed. They were still building houses. Our house was a brand new house when we moved in. Um, and so they're building houses, right? And so it's fun to explore construction sites when you're five, right? That's the kind of parenting that <laughs> was in vogue in the 70s. Yeah, just go. Get out. Go outside. Mm-hmm. I don't just not here. Yeah. I don't remember any sort of geographical restrictions, even when I was three. No, just, just don't. <laughs> I remember wandering around uh, Fairfield, Connecticut in the neighborhood. And I'm like, didn't we move when I was four? Like, why do I have all these memories of me just yeah. wandering around by myself? But. Yep. Yep. That was, that was it. And, uh, so there was a house next door and there's a couple of examples of this, uh, wanton vandalism, but there's a house next door, a big plate glass window in the front. And me and two of my buddies from the neighborhood thought it was a great idea to throw rocks at it. Wow, break, to break all the glass. Cause I mean, why not? Right. Sounds yeah, cool. like five throwing rocks. That, is, is that is, rush you get when that glass shatters? Oh, do you run? No, let's break some more. No, keep going until we have to run. Right. That's, that's it. We don't have to yet because no one is here telling us not to. But I remember doing that. And then I, I kind of knew <laughs> you even, I mean, you kind of know at that point, it's not the right thing to do, but, uh, but I remember doing that. And I remember having the conversation with mom and dad and they had to pay for it and they had to take my birthday money and I had to pay, I God, I can't remember, but 50 bucks was like all of my money in the world. And I'm sure that didn't even come close to covering that was one pain of a pain of front window. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was bad news. And then only a couple of years later, you were not very discreet in your. No, this was like next things. Yeah, (laughs) well, I yeah, putting pizza on smearing pizza on uh, the window of a car of our neighbors. uh, That was my dumb next door act once. And then he came to the house drunk trying to kill us. Yes. We were terrified. The, the story gets better as I remember it. I remember it being a cop car that you did it to, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was the neighbor's car. The cops did. No, the cops out. came. I think the cops came. They did come. I remember them being in the house talking to me, and I was being a bit of a smart ass. Couldn't have been that drunk. Remembered it. Huh? Were- no, I was not drunk. Okay. I was too young to be drunk. Yeah, we were being babysat by mom's pothead friend, the realtor. Oh, I, yeah. Was I there? I didn't do it. Uh, you might've been coming in and out, you know, I didn't do it. No, didn't do it. <laughs> That's my answer. So that was um, probably the worst thing. And then, you know, there's, you know, various points. It was a trend. Like a couple of years later, I took a red marker to the side of somebody's freshly painted white house, our other neighbor on the other side of the house. Mm-hmm. And then dad made me go over and apologize. Well, I remember throwing, Oh yeah, I remember. What was it when we were having the construction, maybe the addition or whatever? And I was throwing big chunks of like sod and dirt that was might have been stocked. I was throwing it over the fence in our backyard 
you know how they yeah. have the pool and it was all going in their pool <laughs> and the guy was like some big judge i mean as a kid you're like eh, judge who gives a crap and, you know and uh yeah i had to bring flowers over there and apologize to them yeah so yeah um i, Dude, yeah, I don't even I, know what i would do with boys at this point i mean i there's I, a I whole there's a whole like psychology of girls that I don't know. And in some ways, boys, I think are a little bit more straight up. Um, but the kind of just destruction <laughs> and vandalism that we engaged in just cause they're, you know, where, where am I going to put this energy? I don't right? I guess kids still do that. You know, I've, I intentionally don't tell miles any of my, I get tempted sometimes to tell him some stories. I did tell him I was climbed the smokestack in Glencoe at the beach. Oh, you and did that? Just, yeah. That's not a good idea. That was and not you had a good to, idea. You had to jump from like a, the, the, the end of a road off of Sheridan over like onto the roof. And there was probably like a six foot gap. So you had to make sure you cleared it. Otherwise you were pummeling to your death. I remember all my friends be like, oh, I'm not, dude, no way. I'm like, come on, you can't, you can't jump. Come on, your momentum will take you. It's going down over. It's just physics. Go, you know, so How I do probably you get made that. We, uh, funny you asked that. We had not thought about that part. <laughs> we only thought about scale this and then we can climb that smokestack. So we scaled it. We're like, yes, we didn't even think about getting down until we had climbed, which was terrible it wasn't well we won't talk about why i was more calm than normal but there were cobwebs and big spiders that we were going through and we got all the way to the top sat up there did a ceremonial thing came down and then go oh, oh shit. How, do we, how do we get out of here and we were looking down the sides and there was nowhere to scale it so we ended up um i always found a way with my friends i, I don't know i i figured that there was a key somewhere i don't know how i did it but i got us in the uh the water plant and uh, it was creepy and we had to basically figure out how to get out of there. And I think I remember seeing some worker at one point and just booked out the front door and we escaped. And then Jeremy tried to do it with his friends later in the summer. Well, they weren't, they got caught. <laughs> <laughs> was this when you guys were working there? I was like, yeah, it's easy. That was actually the, was that Glencoe? No, no, that was the the one off of Sheridan and the tower. That's what Netka, right? Uh, you yeah. Drive down there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So that's what Netka. So no, I didn't work there. I didn't know those guys. I was familiar with water plants. So as I was running in the middle of the night down, I I, I kind of knew I'd find my way. Well, the others thought they were in some horror film. And they were going to get murdered. <laughs> ah. I hope I I sincerely hope that there is a statute of limitations that has expired on trespassing on uh, village property. Well, this was all, or that you edit this out before you publish it. No, no, this was all creative uh, fiction. Yeah. Lies. And uh, that, but that's the only thing I told miles about. I didn't give him all the details, but then I'm like, you don't tell your kids. Cause no matter how much you want to then follow it up with, Oh, but that was very dangerous. And no, I was making remember. bad decisions. No. No, my dad did this. I could do this. Um, cool. So let's dive into, we could talk about COVID-19 and kids. We could talk about 
I think it sort of blends because you guys were already doing like non-traditional schooling of your girls. And then COVID-19 hit and everybody that's been doing traditional schooling got thrust into, oh, I have to pay attention to my kids' day-to-day education, which I don't know collectively how people handled that. But how did you guys talk about like you guys changed how you educated your girls So you could talk about like what that looked like and why, and then did COVID was COVID kind of like, well, this is what we do. So it wasn't as big a deal or not, or it was. To start with, I can't take credit, all the credit. I really, I don't know if I even know if I can take any of the credit for sort of the alternate alternative education approach that we, that we took. We, um, we knew uh, when Maddie was in second grade at the public school and Annabelle was in kindergarten or she might've been first grade. I don't remember um, that the public school they were in, the experience they were having didn't really fit and didn't really work for them for different reasons. Um, in Madeline's perspective, if in, 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 in her case, uh, she just took off like reading ahead of grade, doing math ahead of grade, and she was getting bored socially. She still was very much a second grader. Right. And, and kind of, you know, so the, the idea that, that we would like, she would skip a grade or whatever, you know, that, that didn't enter into our, our minds, but as far as like the academics and like, following the rules and, and all that she was, she was off to the races, but she was kind of bored. And, and I think, um, because she was bored, she was kind of snippy with kids and, and stuff like that. In Annabelle's case, you know, I, I said earlier when we were talking that this was a kid that I knew right away, we knew right away. We, we were pretty sure she's not ours because she's got this charisma and this natural leadership and this natural, natural ability to kind of break down problems and just get stuff done. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, she was the kid that was feeding herself at four years old because I, I know where the bowls are. I know where the cereal is. I can do this. I mean, it was a, it was a disaster. And dad wouldn't get out of bed. Well, no, if you can feed yourself, go, go, go nuts. Why do I need to, you know, if you can do it, it would mean a total disaster, but she figured it out. Um, she's the kid that, you know, we had to install an alarm on our house so that we knew when she got out, <laughs> not because we were afraid of people breaking in. Because at one point she got out and got behind one of the cars. And if it weren't for, it was Melissa pulling out. And if it weren't for me coming outside and seeing Annabelle behind the car, Melissa might've run her over, but she figured it out. I mean, she's two years old. I know I don't open doors. Why wouldn't I go through this door? (laughs) Why wouldn't I go outside? (laughs) Um, But in her case, you know, I knew I had to just, just don't kill this kid. She's going to be fine. But she went to school and within a couple of weeks, she was convinced that she was stupid. She came home and actually asked Melissa, can you homeschool me? And we're like, how does this kid know about homeschooling? And then she was like four or five. Uh, no, I wish about six or seven at that point. I mean, what is it? How old are they in first grade? 
Sure. Yeah, it's about, six, about that time. Six, six, seven. Yeah. But she came home and talked to Melissa and said, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm stupid. You know, I, I, I feel so stupid. Can we homeschool? Cause I, uh, whatever she was having a tough time. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I know I've known this kid her whole life. <laughs> um, this is a kid that just, I mean, I'd hire her. This is the kind of person that I want working with me, working for me. Um, they just figure it out. They get it done. They can deal with people. There were kids, you know, twice her age, knocking that's on the door, not, asking that's, if that's not valued. Play. Yeah. That's not valued in our education system. Like, well, I'll get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll get there. And, and, and um, what, what is value doesn't translate to why I would hire somebody or why they would be a right. good employee, you know? Right. We're not we, teaching the kids to, to be innovative and adaptable and think on your feet and be problem solvers. Right. And some of their brains, that's how they're wired. They're like, you know, get, put something in front of me. I'm going to figure it out. But if you make me sit here, contained to this chair and I have to just listen to you download crap. And then I got to, you know, regurgitate it. And then you assess me like, that's not, that's not re that's not the, that's not preparing you for the future. Dude, I'm At 48 least this and I can't sit in a chair longer than two hours. Right. How, how, how we, it, how we expect kids to sit still and be quiet. Um, it's like, uh, uh, it's, it's, it blows my mind. Right. Some kids are, maybe they have that temperament. I, I don't think I realized until I was like, honestly, like 40 that why did I always hate school? Like, why did it, why was it always such a struggle for me? Because I could, it just not how my brain worked, you know? And, and, uh, just to have, sit there and have to like, it, it, I work better if you throw me into a real situation. And I just yeah. tinker with it and I figure it out, but that's not education. So then you have no, all these kids not. that are sharp that they come away like Annabelle. I'm think I'm, I'm, I feel stupid. I don't, you know, and at least you guys were attuned enough to like make an adjustment. Most parents are just like, well, maybe you are, let's get you a tutor so that you could adhere better. Maybe to you the have ADHD to medicate you. Um, turns out Annabelle, may actually right. have ADHD, but, uh, yeah. But, and that's actually, that's actually a good thing if it's channeled appropriately and maybe in medications needed at times because they're, they're processing so much information, but it's not ADHD attention deficit. It's not like it, it, it just means you need to be working on something else in, in, in a different way that, but it just doesn't fit into our education system. So let me heavily medicate this child so they could sit here like a zombie. And I'm not saying this is all the cases, but you know, and just focus, you know, and then not have any awareness of anything around them. Yeah. I mean, it's, so what we, what we, we figured out with both of them is that they were, we, we were trying to figure out what can we do differently for these children so that they're getting what they need. And in, Anna, in Madeline's case, what we ended up doing was, I don't know if you've heard of Kumon, it's like kind of an enrichment program focused on math and reading we started do we had started doing kumon with her a year prior because her reading she didn't know how to read and other kids at her that were her age did and we're like oops looks like we screwed that one up um so we we brought her to that and you know immediately she's 
re- reading is like her favorite thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's, so, and math, you know, um, at that point she was, um, you know, she was, she was doing pretty well, but we did the same thing with Annabelle, man, that was like pulling teeth because it took the model that you take that you, that sort of the repetition wrote exercise worksheet model that schools use. And it's like the next level. And Annabelle was just like, no, forget this. And I could sit her down. So, so let's take math for an example, for, for an example, she struggled with just basic arithmetic, right? She struggled with fractions and decimals and basic arithmetic and stuff like that. Um, but when she would sit and watch a YouTube video on how to cook, how to bake a cake or some kind of recipe, she figured out how to adjust ratios for the recipe. I'm like, Hey kid, that's math and money. Oh, never a problem for any kid. They know money. Well, let me, hey, see, let me drill down on that though. Decimals. Do you, you know, was Annabelle, was it easier for her to watch the YouTube video and just kind of do it versus like you put the freaking, you put the recipe book in front of her and she just has to sit there and study it and read it and follow it step by step by step? Is the YouTube. No, she wings it. She, 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 she makes real time adjustments. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> so that's Alexis, you know, like she, she's like, God, every time I try to bake, I mess it up because she's sitting there trying to like follow a recipe to the T. But when she just cooks and has a general idea or watches a little YouTube video or something like that, she makes the most amazing meals. But like when you force her to like sit there and go step by step in a recipe book, like she always misses something, you yeah. know? So that it's interesting yeah. that you say that because it was dawning on me like that traditionally that's been seen as like, well, what's wrong with you? You're missing a step in the recipe book, but we're ignoring the fact that they actually are the, are better cooks than the people that are reading the recipe books by winging it, you know? So, well, like, and there's a, because I think there is a, uh, I, I don't know, there's a creative impulse or there is a, there's a question that maybe they're asking themselves as they're watching this video, but it's the question is why, well, why do I do this? Why do I use this ingredient? What does this actually do? Why am I waiting? Why am I letting the dough rest? Oh, that's a good point. It's giving more context around what they're doing versus like a static step-by-step. Plus I I am a firm believer that um, there are, And I'll say something that I don't think there are any stupid kids. I don't think there are any kids that can't learn a particular subject. There are two things that have to happen in order for them to be able to master a particular subject. Um, The first is they have to be ready sometimes. And I'm a case in point. And I'll I'll explain that. Um, You're just not there yet the the synapses the the context the experience mm-hmm. maybe even the why hasn't gelled yet and so you're not ready you're not ready for algebra okay next year you might be and i think the key thing you said there is the why you know yeah the- yeah they, 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 exactly they, 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 even if the why is there they may not just they just may not have the the readiness and this is especially true in young kids you know with as kids get older um 
I think it's more why and more context, but when you're young, when you're, you know, four, five, six years old, and you're saying, well, why can't you read? Maybe that, maybe their brain isn't ready yet. And that not fully, fully cooked. <laughs> um, so I think readiness is huge, but, but also desire and, and, uh, context, right? So why do I need this? What, what, what is the, what is this, a, a this skill, um, a means to, right? So Annabelle n- learned fractions and, um, and decimals because she was trying to do basic uh, carpentry and make recipes and, and sell stuff on a lemonade stand. So there was a reason she needed this stuff. Yeah. And so as soon as she had a reason, I got it. Right. But if you put a book in front of her and say, learn decimals, she will stare at the page. The words will jumble together and she will be like, I can't. I mean, that's so key. I mean, you know, the why or the reason, because I use that as an example with trying to build a startup and you have to bootstrap it. I've, I've learned so many things because I had a reason mm-hmm. and I, and it was like, I, I can't pay somebody to do this. I can. And then, so like what grew was like a belief in myself, like I could teach myself that I could teach myself this, you know, like sketch, you know, design software, uh, yeah. Adobe audition, Adobe premiere, all the, a lot of the Adobe's right. Um, you know, a lot of the DevOps stuff that, you know, all of a sudden I find myself consulting. No, I wouldn't have thought in a million years, three years ago, I would be consulting, um, a, a Ruby on rails react, you know, dev and design agency and being responsible for 10 different products and 10 different developers and managing that and, and moving it forward. Like I had no skill like that or doing some design that looks somewhat decent or learning WordPress. I wouldn't, you know, but, but the reason I learned all that is because I had a reason I had a, why I, I was like, I got to do this. And the first iterations of all that was crap. And that's another thing that I think we don't teach kids. Like we don't give them enough repetition in one area to, to explore. It looks like shit. Then they get it a little bit better. And then they can look at this history to say, wow, you know, like over the past, you know, six months, I'm like really proficient at this. It's, it all seems to be siloed and disjointed because they need to get through their standardized curriculum checklist, right? Frantically. And each teacher is like a technical, has their technical specialty. And that's yeah. all they're hyper-focused on, at least in the middle school. We're, and we're so test, just, the yeah. schools are so test-driven uh, because at some point we decided that um, China was going to beat us or something. I don't know. But at some point we decided... And uh, and Bill Gates. By the way, I talked to a guy that uh, he's American. He was in China as a teacher, and then he ended up getting his bachelor's and his master's. He says, "Yeah, I didn't pay for it." I was like, "You didn't pay for it? No, you know the government will pay for it if you just put a request in." And it was a good degree and everything. And I'm like, maybe I just need to take the kids over to China for a little bit, finish up education, and come back. That you would say that, but that's part of our that's part of our plan. Our go forward plan is, hey kids, whatever you want to do. It's fine. Um, but we all have to look at education. It is so expensive that um, 
you know, we don't have the luxury of going and paying, you know, it's a hundred thousand dollars for a four year in state, right. uh, education that that's cheap. Right. And how many kids fuck that up? Well, yeah. You know, like, well, not everybody. Because a lot of the kids go to go to college. A lot of the kids don't go to college with a reason or a why. I didn't go to college with a reason or a why. I just went to college because you go to college. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, I came out with a degree in something that I could get a job in doing something that I already like to do. I mean, I discovered I did computers and programming Pretty when I was writing. a kid. <laughs> Right. And I was fortunate enough to be in a school that had computers and have, you know, a friend or two that had a computer and had an interest and that grew. Right. And as I moved through high school and college, the question, (laughs) the question I asked myself when I was in college is like, all right, what, what can I do that's going to make me money that I'm reasonably good at that? I really don't have to try very hard at. It's not a ton of work because, and, and that's, that's, you know, that's loaded because it's not a ton of work because I like it. Um, and I found a way to do that. Right. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm fortunate, but when I look back, it wasn't because I went to this grade school and that high school and this college that I, that I was able develop to, d- to develop this skill. It started with, I discovered this thing that was fun and cool and I liked it. And I bought the magazines and went and, and checked the books out of the library and, um, figured out how to get on bulletin board systems when that was a thing. When, before there was an internet, I figured out how to do that stuff. Now I wasn't, was I good at it? No, there was always somebody better, but it was something that I figured out how to do. And then I figured out how to make a career out of it. Um, mm. it, you know, it, it, but we're not yet. Yeah, we're not really challenging kids. No. To, one, we don't give kids enough credit. I mean, you can go all the way back to K five as you experience. These kids are are given the right opportunity. They're absolutely brilliant. They're, they're introspective. They they can come up with whys. Um, you know, it, it. They don't need to be um sort of put into a a template you know they they need more now they do need structure clearly but they don't they need to be exercising these these skills at a much younger age around like hey you know how do i feel why do i feel that way like what do i want to be like tomorrow what do i want to be like in 5 years you know like um what are some actions i can take each day that make me a better human being, help me connect with people, help me discover like what's important to me, why I like it. And then let me go down that path and explore it. And then I can abandon it. Fine. Let me go down another path. I don't know. I mean, I think they talk a lot about that and I think it shows up in like pre-K, maybe K to two a little bit, yeah, a little bit more, but then yeah, Yeah, the whole, the whole, the whole be nice, be kind part of curriculum kind of goes away once the standardized tests kick in. Well, so Marley's kindergarten teacher, phenomenal. So he has this, um, the diner where, and if, I mean, to me, it was the clearest evidence of how education is missing the mark with young people. He has this diner where he has all these kindergartners basically come together and organize their own diner 
build, make the menus, come up with like the pricing. Um, they create all these stands. And then when it goes, all the people from the school rotate in. It's super busy. They have to greet them at the door. There's, they have different stations. So sometimes they're the wait staff. Sometimes they're taking the money. Sometimes they're at the milkshake stand or, or whatever. And these kids are taking orders, going back, fulfilling these orders, coming with big trays, delivering it. Right. And I was watching it. It was like, I mean, it, it was just like poetry in motion. I was like, how are these kids, these knuckleheads you know, accomplishing this? And then when I was talking to Mr. Heidi, I was saying, why doesn't he, he this continue to happen? He's like, well, because as soon as they get out of kindergarten, there's just no room for this sort of thing. You know, there's not time for it. They've got too many uh, test scores drive the funding funding drives yeah. how you hire what you teach. Um, it is very regimented and doesn't leave room for that. I am, um, we, we, we had a long and sort of, I can walk through the whole journey from, you know, that moment when we realized that the public education system was, I hesitate to use the word failing because I, I'm not, I'm not here to indict teachers or anything like there's that. definitely great pockets and yeah. great teachers doing amazing things within the system but as a as a collective whole i mean for my kids yeah it wasn't working um and if i lived in a different school system we, you know with the experience have been different it can, sure it could have been but for my kids the right answer was to seek out something different. And at the time there was an alternative school that was opening in, in our town. Um, it was called the Merrim school. It was modeled on what's called, um, the Sudbury school model, which is democratic education. And essentially what democratic, I'm going to totally F this up, I'm sure. But what democratic education basically is, is that the, the kids, uh, the students decide on the curriculum the students are responsible for essentially the operations of you know the school from the perspective of what are the schedules going to look like who's going to be in each class what are we going to cover how do we handle disciplinary proceedings that sort of thing and the, the the faculty is there as facilitators they facilitate the curriculum they facilitate mm -hmm. what these kids want to do and when there are you know issues that where an adult needs to step in right then then they are there to provide that but they are not there in a role of lecturer or expert or anything like that and the kids really took to it now the obvious question becomes oh my god if the kids are deciding what they're going to, how are they going to learn? How are they going to stay at grade level? How are they going to learn the things they need to learn? And I'm, I, I was that guy, right? So I am the product of a, an A plus grade, a college prep education. I have, uh, you know, I've, as you know, I've got my, you know, I got my high school diploma from Loyola Academy, great high school one of the best in the country, right? I got my undergrad from the University of Notre Dame. I've got my MBA from Kellogg at Northwestern. These are all great, great A. So and I'm he's thinking, homeless. So that clearly. Yeah. And I can't afford a haircut. <laughs> it's sad. So sad. So, but so yeah, I love school. I, I, I did school so well. Uh, you figure out what the rules are, how you operate just outside of them, play the game, get the scores. 
move on. Uh, that's, that was my whole approach to schooling. But so I was, I was like, Oh my God, what it, they're just, they wanted to study mythology and cooking. What the is this? They got to be doing, I want them doing, you know, trigonometry. No, I'm kidding. But I was worried about this. Right. Yeah. And I, I, uh, um, I say I can't take credit because Melissa basically said her approach was what is here isn't working. Well, let's try something different. My approach was what's here isn't working, but that doesn't look any better. Prove to me why that's better or I'm not going to do it. And as usual, I lost and uh, the kids went to the other school and they were so happy, right? There, there was no longer, there was not a, a, a struggle to get them out of bed to go to school. They love going to school. They learn stuff. Do you find um, that, um, that while that is, I think that movement doesn't, it, it's so, um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't call it fringe cause that sounds negative, but it's, it's, it's in the minority, significant yeah. minority. So therefore people that start these schools or these programs as well intended as they are. And philosophically, it makes sense. They're just, they either a don't have the resources or the organizational skills or the, or enough attendance and tuition and all that to really, all of that happened. All all, all of that actually happened because the school was only open for a year. Right. Okay. And, um, which was unfortunate. It meant that after a year, we had to figure out something else. And so we, part of the requirement to be at the school was they would be there four days out of the week. And then one day would be a homeschool day. Um, and, uh, so we had a little bit of experience with the homeschool stuff. Um, and when the school closed, it was like, all right, do we send them back to public school or do we homeschool them? And at the time, I don't recall this. I think the timing of this was right around the time I was getting my graduate degree. Uh, Melissa had stopped working. She was a CPA. Um, she stopped working. She was at home. She's like, well, I'll just do full-time homeschooling. Um, and we'd never done that before. We're not teachers, right? So we did what anyone else would do. We went on the internet and we're like, all right, how do you do this? Um, and she came up with, uh, there were different kinds of curriculum styles you could use. There were different kinds of online tools, some of them free, some of them not. There were different approaches. And, and what we found was we, and I say we, like I had anything to do with this. I was at work in the city, right? So Melissa, you know, took the approach of, okay, we're going to duplicate the school experience at home. And I think a lot of parents found this during the COVID thing. Um, but so she did that. And what she found was. It's only like two hours. Max. It's less than two hours. Yes. The whole yeah. school day, all yeah. the work you needed to get through, they're done. And then she's like, Oh shit. What am I going to do with these kids? <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch documentaries. It's movie day. Let's go to a museum. And so she, she started just taking the kids like, you know, we got memberships at the museums in Chicago. She started taking them places because the school curriculum, you know, the homeschool curriculum only took a couple of hours. And right? you always hear this argument that says, yeah, but the social component is key and you're, and you're keeping your kids from this very important, but I'm thinking like, well, do you need six hours of that? You know? And Dude, I don't disagree I found, with that. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't disagree. You'll hear homeschool 
proponents say that that's overblown. And I do agree with them, but I also disagree in the sense that, um, a lot of the, if you don't have, so we were fortunate, we had neighborhood kids in the kids in the neighborhood. And so the kids had friends, right. That only goes, that only goes up to a certain age before kids start to break off and form their own cliques and they're going to their different schools and stuff. But for that period of time, for our kids, that was still good enough. What happened was Melissa realized that, Hey, if I can homeschool at home and we're traveling to museums, I can homeschool anywhere. So she looked into this movement called road schooling or world schooling, where basically you take kind of a nomadic approach. And instead of studying what happened to the little rock nine at central high school in Arkansas, you go to little rock. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at it and you stand there and you experience it and you, and you learn about it instead of learning about what happened in Austin at the Alamo or not Austin, um, San Antonio at the Alamo, uh, you go to San Antonio or you take the opportunity when you're somewhere, you say, okay, let's learn about the history of this area. Let's learn about who grew up here and what they did. And that's actually Um, a really good. And I think a lot of parents are realizing this through the COVID that's a skill that some parents inherently just have, like they're just educators by yeah. nature and a lot aren't. So you, there's a lot of missed opportunities Plus, I'm when super you travel smart your- too. And so just being around me, they're going to get like so much knowledge. But the what they get from me, Miles is asking me questions that in yellow. So I said, how would I have the answer to that? Google it. <laughs> I, I told him, I said, do I look like some like knowledge man that has every answer in the book? Just Google it. Mind you, you know, we were friend. like looking at the, the 15th hot spring and, and I had to go to the bathroom and you know, COVID everything shut. I'm like, where am I going to pee? You can't step on these things. You're going to, they say you're going to die. And he's like asking me a question. I'm, I, I'm like, you're a bright kid, Maz. You know damn well I don't have the answer to that question. <laughs> Google it. You know what I, I stopped? So I'll either give them, if I know the answer, I'll say, here's what I know. But, but I could be wrong, right? Um, if I don't know the answer. Usually I'm more diplomatic, but I was just agitated oh, yeah, at that yeah. moment. I'm like, I don't know. No, if I'm tired How or hungry I or I have to pee or, or anything like that, the kids know better. Oh, dad's hangry. Dad needs a nap. (laughs) Just leave him alone. No, I'll I'll respond in one of two ways. I'll either I'll look at him and I'll go, uh, giggity Google. (laughs) Or I will make up some outrageous lie about whatever it is that they're asking me about. Uh, Alexis is really good at that, where she has me hooked every time. And now I'm like about 30 seconds in, I start to catch on like, this is bullshit. <laughs> so, so this is total, but she, I mean, so now they don't leave. They don't you definitely anything. have that gift. You definitely, yeah, they don't believe anything I say. Uh, yeah. uh, no, half the time they're like, you really don't know. Do you, you're making this up. I'm like, yeah, of course I am. It's my whole job. I've been my whole job, like 25 ish years. I've been a consultant. I've my first job out of college. I, I get assigned to a customer and my boss hands me a book and says, you're an expert. Just no more than the customer does. <laughs> it's like, all right, I, this is been preparing my whole life for this. The, the, the art of bullshitting. But let me ask you this. Are you, do you have any optimism that this whole COVID thing will change a thing? Like, you I mean, other than, oh yeah, a, a school now has their, their remote, 
learning plan and they've mastered Zoom and uh, they can digitize more of their content. But I don't think what COVID's ch- going to change is what or how, maybe how they learn culture. in terms of. It's, it's, exactly. it's not going to change. Exactly. It's not going to be like, oh, we need to balance the technical learning with a little bit more of the the life skills, social, emotional, you know, like. What I it would may hope it would. find is you may find more people electing and this depends on the state because each state is different. Indiana has very um, generous sort of laws around like homeschooling. Mm. Uh, other states are, are a lot more strict in terms of reporting requirements and things like that. But what you may find is more people electing to uh, uh, take an alternative approach to education. I think, honestly, unfortunately, like everything, it's going to it's going to fall along economic lines, socioeconomic lines. The, the, the people who have the freedom to do it are the people who have the freedom to do a lot of things and they will. And and those are the people that have maybe a little bit more time to spend with their kids um, and take more of an active interest. In all likelihood, it's gotta be a two parent household and there's gotta be enough income coming in whatever way that at least one of those parents has the time to do it. Yeah. You know, and uh, because, or it's a special or it's a special kind of parent that has more energy than me. And who are you going to watch the kids though? Like, you know, how do you, uh, my kids are, my, my, I learned that they, you know, kids, kids aren't. But what I mean, like, if you both have to go to the office, if you both go to the office, right, you can't just leave your four-year-old at home alone. Well, that's, that, that is <laughs> so one thing that is, that, is, that is changing, right? That is one thing that is changing in the, in the corporate world is with this pandemic, so many companies have, have realized that unless you have to be here, you don't have to be here. Right. So there's a lot more remote work that's happening. Now I've, I've been doing this remote work gig for, you know, four years, five years now. Right. Um, and even prior to that, I was, I had the ability to work from home more often than not because we had technologies like, um, like Skype and, uh, and such. But now that, um, a lot of the, the, the office workers are knowledge workers and anybody that sits in front of a keyboard and, or in meetings most of the day, now that they've had to adapt to a workforce, a remote workforce, I don't think a lot of them are going to go back. I mean, there's still going to be some firm believers in, in face-to-face contact. And I think that that's important. Um, it's hard to duplicate that remotely. Um, it's hard to duplicate that social interaction that just that osmosis that happens. But I've actually found that surprisingly first the video, if I would be like, Hey, let's have a call. And I was like, Hey, I'm turning the video on pre COVID people be like, what? Now it's just totally like, even if I set up a, just a call with someone, right? Like, cause I've been being introduced to some folks, uh, and, that I've never met and I'll just send the invite on Google Hangouts. And it's just like, everyone turns the video on now. And I'm, and and so in normal, like networking, Hey, you should talk to this person. They may be able to help you. I'm having this like face to face connection with them as if we're in person that wouldn't have happened before. So I think that we we still haven't moved to like for work. 
we haven't moved to video. There are still some folks that are like, I want to use my video. And we're like, great. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have, I don't have pants on right now. I'm not, uh, not flipping my video on. So it's we almost so weird. Now I found out on calls when there's that one person that doesn't turn their video on. It's like, what, what's really, what's up? What's up? No, there's all, there's always just that one dude. Uh, on? <laughs> and it's all dudes. No, there's one, one person that um, forgets their cameras on. Did you shower yet? And he's that, petting, he's petting his pussy cat. Like, did wow. you, did you wake up that way? <laughs> Cause we don't need to see that. You need to turn off the video. Um, no, I think that, so what the point I was making was that because so many more parents are at home and they've had to adapt to this, my kids are here. I've got this, I'm, I got to figure out how to balance these things. Yeah. I think that you may find that more parents are more amenable to, taking on a little bit more of an active role, even when schools kind of go back to normal, whatever the, whatever that means. Right. Yeah. I do think that remote learning and e-learning, a lot of school systems were dipping their toe into it. Um, the school system around here, uh, had every kid had a tablet. Um, they had e-learning days. Um, but they, they, they didn't really adopt it because for a lot of, you know, double income households, uh, schools that the babysitter, right. I need you out of here so I can go to work. So it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't and I work. Think it, it will always be that. I mean, I, yeah. You know, it, yeah. It'll be, you know, I almost feel like there could be a hybrid where it's, there's somewhat of a choice, you know, that if you're a high performing kid and you know, you don't have to be in the class in the school as much, um, and you have the support system at home, then l let them take a hybrid approach. You don't have to, because like miles is a high performing kid and he's well-behaved that he's mature, at least at school. Um, what, what I found with talking to his teachers and him kind of, well, him first complaining to me that because he is, and it may have to do with the fact that he's Brown, right? Like he's the, cause in his school, the, unfortunately there's this big achievement gap and the majority of the the minority black and brown kids um, aren't as engaged in their learning and may have behavior issues. So they're always having him in like the the breakout groups or the small groups, him with kind of like the most messed up underperforming kids. And one of them actually admitted to me, like, cause he was starting to like, Miles's behavior was starting to drop a little bit. She's like, I'm just really surprised. Cause I really count on him. I'm like, yeah, but he mentioned to me that he gets frustrated that he's always put with these kids. Like it's such a distraction. And she's just like, well, that's true. Cause Miles is such a great kid. I do always put him with them to kind of like raise the bar. I'm like, so you're pimping my kid <laughs> to try to raise the bar with the other kids. But like what, this isn't good for my kid. You know, like, I mean, and, and there is value. You know, in if you, there is value uh, in that as a yeah. leader. If you balance it, yeah. But it, it could get out of hand. Don't we so do like, that? Don't we know, do that in the workplace, though? We overload our high performers because we know we can count on them. And then they're the ones that get burned out. The 80, it's the 80 20 rule. Of, yeah. 20% you know, does, you know, whatever it says. I've never been that. 20% guy. I try to, I try to blend in the background, take yeah. no responsibility. I don't want credit either. I just want paycheck. I don't want credit, but then I, I overcommit. Can you edit that out? <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, fuck you, boss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I quit.
So, <laughs> yeah, you're don't you're worry, nobody watches. You're definitely editing or yeah. listens. Don't worry, nobody listens to this. <laughs> uh, um, I'm just gonna put porn in the title, and if people will just click on it, yeah, I'll put porn, COVID, and racial justice, and people will be like, what? How does porn have to do with that? Ten reasons for white fragility. <laughs> Number six will shock you. I'll be like, ten reasons for white virgility. What is that? Like virgin virility. Fr- virgin yeah. fr- virgin fra- fragile virgins? I don't understand. I actually want to have one of these white woke uh geez, I gotta edit this one. I want to have one of these woke white women on and be like, so what is what is virgility? No, fragility. Virgility is it like a virgin, like the fragile it <laughs> that's what I said. Oh, um, yes, uh, yeah, that's it. Um, cool. All right. Well, let's last thing is, uh, real quick. How would you, how do you, okay. So you're Jason, I'm Justin and we have a brother, Jeremy. Yeah. How do you think the three J's would have fared in the COVID world? From what perspective, like from an education perspective, probably at the home permanently with mom and dad. (laughs) Holy shit. Can you imagine? Cause dad used to just travel. That's how he came kept his sanity he was just always traveling so can you imagine him being stuck in the home with us he would be working outside a lot he would be on the roof does the roof need anything no but you can't get up here (laughs) you'd be reading a lot of newspapers in the bathroom go up on the roof a lot of newspapers do you have the entire newspaper in there, Dad? <laughs> right. Do you have like the archives in there? What you've been in there for days? Hell, he'd have the Encyclopedia Britannica in the bathroom. I'm only they on. Started, they would have started smoking again, even though that would be the worst right. thing to do during COVID. But they would have had to do something. Um, I think I like to be optimistic. I think that uh, we probably would have had some friction but probably would have gelled as a family um at some point i think mom would have come up with very creative sort of outlets yeah she was good at that stuff and we probably would have taken on a little bit more responsibility for like stuff around the house like cooking cleaning washing dishes that sort of thing all those life skills that we never developed until that we never developed, uh, still, still working on those. Yeah. Mom yeah. washed, watched me wash dishes when, uh, when I was at the house you know, a few months ago and she just looked at me like, what are you doing? Well, like I've never done it before. And then she started to critique the way I was washing dishes, which is. Yeah. So I, I, I did, I blamed her for my lack of life skills because I was over there because our washing machine was busted. And I said, I need to, you know, so I was, I didn't want to make her do our laundry. So I brought it down there. She thought I was just bringing it down. I start putting it in her new brand new washer. Oh, no, no, I'm flipping the dial. She came down <laughs> in hysterical. Like she like flew across the basement. Like, what are you doing? Ah, ah, no, you were, no, you weren't going to do that setting. You can't. Do, why are you touching this? You don't know how to do this stuff. I'm like, whoa, you know? And then it dawned on me. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, she's like, I, t- I was like, mom, you didn't teach me any life. Like, oh, I did. I'm like, no, I didn't even learn how to iron until I was like 30. And she's like, I, I still remember I was in, it was in East Berlin 
uh, in college when I was uh, traveling and studying overseas and uh, I had this really wrinkly shirt and my German friend, he's like, oh, just iron it. I'm like, dude, I don't know how to iron. So, <laughs> and he had to teach me how to iron. I was what, 20 at the time. So oh I said this to mom and she goes, oh, I taught you how to iron. I said, no, 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 no. You never let me touch the damn iron. You just said, you said, give me that shirt. And then you said, this is how you do it. And you did it at lightning speed. And then you handed me the shirt back. I said, that is not teaching me. I never was allowed to touch the iron. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, Yeah. So I learned here, here's, here's, I learned how to get out of work, Uh, do it wrong, break a few dishes. And they will never ask you to wash the kids. <laughs> Very sad. Um, and I catch myself doing it to the kids. Like Annabelle actually said to me at one point, and I was I was kind of um kind of broke my heart a little bit because she said to me, she's like, um, you always tell me when I'm doing it wrong. Right? And my you don't and, even and realize my, you're doing that as a parent. My immediate response was. Well, nothing, there's always room for improvement. And I just want you to know where you can improve. Mm-hmm. What she's hearing, though, is not, you're doing a great job. Do you want to take it to the next level? Here's some things you could work on, but you're an amazing kid and you're doing, no, what she hears, because it's what I'm saying. Um, right. That's not how you load the dishwasher. That's not how you do X, Y, or Z. Um, yeah, it's like we have to pause and, and even though that's what we want to say, we have to say, wow, this is great. This is great. Here's an idea. Or, or even challenge them to come up with what you want to say. Like, what do you think could be done better? Yeah, what do you think you could do better here, right? Yeah. Which is kind of a loaded question, but. But when we're, ag- when we're you know, short on patience and time, we yeah. We kind of struggle with that stuff. The uh, but how would the Jays have fared? I think um, we, you know, we grew up in a time when there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, you know, digital you distraction. There was no none. digital distraction. Right? We had an Atari, which was fun. The controller uh, was usually broke. At least the button was usually broke because I, I cranked on it or yeah, um, yes. We probably probably spent would have spent a lot of time outside. Or we had we had what do we have twelve we had twelve channels we could 12. we could twelve surf. Yeah. It got to twelve. Five. There was ABC, NBC, <laughs> CBS, PBS, and then whatever UHF WGN. channel you could get. Oh yeah. There was WGN and then there was uh there was channel thirty two Fox. Yeah. That's married with children. I still remember. Right. It's very uh, what's married. that? In Living Color, The Simpsons, all the edgy stuff. X Files was on that too, wasn't it? Back in the day. Uh, no. I think it was. On I don't know. Actually, I don't know. You might be right. But that's what brings up a good point. Like we didn't, you know. So we we would have just been outside a lot more than kids naturally go, and we would have. I'd have been dirtier than yeah. I was. Uh, yeah. I always tell like my kids are like, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm, and uh, so like miles, especially like Marley will go in her own little world and play. Like I used to miles. I'm, I'm on a trip and I've shown this, I've driven five straight hours 
through the most beautiful mountains. He's taking a nap here and there. He's enjoyed it. Da, da, da. We get there. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm like, I'm tired. Oh, yeah. I love, I love that conversation. Here's how that goes. I'm bored. <sighs> Boredom is a failure of imagination, child. It is not my responsibility to unboard you. <laughs> Go away. Dad's mean. Mom, dad's being mean again. Yeah, but it doesn't work. They still nag you until you can give, give them some sort of boredom solution. Hey, you know what I did? Like uh, five, six years ago, I, I, I bought a leaf blower and I, I did that. We, we had the buy once, cry once conversation earlier, about an hour ago. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of buying the backpack leaf blower that I used to use when I worked for Public Works, I bought the crappy battery powered one that I hated. And I finally, I was like, F this. I went to the Home Depot and I bought myself one of those Echo backpack blowers. I used it once and I'm like, this thing is really loud. I'm going to go deaf. So I bought the muffs, the red muffs that you put on. And there was something I realized when I put them on, it's quiet. The muffs came into the house. The muffs sat by dad's chair. Because as soon as I got home from work, I'd pop some earbuds in, listen to some tunes, and boop. Oh, you had the muffs on top of the I earbuds. I could close my eyes. See, I could, uh, any parent of the of the of the four parents that are listening out there, two of which are my parents, I want you to hear this. <laughs> this is excellent oh, advice. Glorious. Glorious silence. Um that is really Good advice. I, there's been a lot of, I think, good uh, parenting advice. It's uh, so cheap. You can get a pair, you get a pair in the car, which is not good. Like if you have, if there's like sirens and stuff, you probably don't want to wear them in the car. But uh, or if your kid slips and falls on a knife and is bleeding out, you don't hear them. <laughs> things have had to have happened before that moment. <laughs> you know, you have failed at various points. Why is there a knife? Why is like, it? Why is it sitting face up? How did it manage to land that way? And why is your child running across the house towards the knife? With blood splurt. splurt. Yeah. Well, it's like when I was doing the Oculus Rift, I was like, this is really bad. I'm not even going to know if somebody walked into my house and is like taking TVs. And, uh, you know, if I don't smell it or feel some sort of big bang vibration on my feet, forget about it. Um, all right. Well, cool. I think we went over, at least there's a couple of uh, things we can edit out. Um, but thanks for, uh, joining me. This was nice. This is good. Like uh, COVID, uh, connection. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We need more. We need more of this. Um, this is good. Video conferencing is good. Uh, but you, but, but we can't hug. Right. And hugs are. Would it be weird if I've actually felt the opposite that I've enjoyed this excuse not to have human contact? No, <laughs> no. That, that that I don't have to travel to a meeting and have the bullshit small talk and, and and act like I care about things where I could just jump on a Zoom call, get it done, and then they're out of my life and I'm back into mine. Is that always, bad? I don't really notice any difference. I really, <laughs> I'm not really around people all that much anyway. I see my kids. I see the people in the neighborhood and. And I go for a run when I want to, I go for a bike ride, I go for a hike. The only thing I couldn't do is go sit in a, in a coffee shop and have a, you know, have somebody else make me a coffee, um, which was yeah, kind of, I, I did miss oh, like, I, yeah, the manufactured social connection at, on my yeah. terms. I missed that, like going to a movie, a coffee shop, 
but uh the rest of it yeah but i do like you know going out like i took the kids out place was terrible but it was nice to sit outside and, and have dinner with them uh so it felt it felt normal restaurants that happened to be open during <laughs> during the uh yeah yeah, I'm pretty sure those meatballs on Marley's, uh, they were pre-COVID. They were made pre-COVID, those meatballs. Uh, it took a, it took a fucking drill to get through to the center of that meatball. I don't know what happened, but uh, I had to tell him, like, we don't want this. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Karen. Um, Karen? You know what a Karen is. Come on, man. Really? Oh, the white racist woman? No, just any woman that's like, um, can I speak to your manager? Oh, <laughs> well, I, it's my kids. Don't fuck with my kids. Can I, my, can if you you fuck kids. with my daughter's, you yeah. fuck with my daughter's meatball. I'm coming after you. Okay. Yeah. Cause she's still hungry. <laughs> and so, I got, uh, this. this is now my problem. That's right. And I'm not enjoying my dinner now. Um, anyway, so thank you for this. Hopefully it all turns out. I'll let you know. I'll send yeah. it to you, let you listen to it. And uh, that's it. We'll do it again. Cool. Do you have any, any way do you, uh, okay. that you close your podcast? Do you have like a, a signature, like catchphrase um, or, uh, or something like that? I could say, um, I always ask people to think of one thing they're grateful for. Uh, one, one positive memory from the last 24 hours. <laughs> Why is this so hard? Uh, I had a great, a long, great conversation with one of my daughters over the phone um, because she was she's struggling a little bit with, uh, you know, she's a teenager. Right. There's, you know, mental health, uh, being in quarantine, not being able to see your friends, um, that sort of thing. So I had a real long conversation with her where I felt feel like we uh, we connected or I was able to reconnect or, or maintain that connection or something. Um, I, I, felt, like I felt like a good dad. For a moment. <laughs> so that, yeah. I know that those are good yeah. feelings. Um, and then if you could set one goal for tomorrow, what would it be? Anything it could be as small as smile more. Ooh. Or as, you know, so one goal for tomorrow. What is tomorrow? Wednesday. Thursday. Thursday. I got trite goals like, you know, when I get out of when I wake up in the morning, don't just immediately pick up your phone because then I just I just go into pissed off. Because there's always somebody that has something to say that's going to. That's why I picked up chess. Miles and I play chess on the chess.com app. So I find myself right when I'm about to click on. First, I deleted my Facebook. I'm a little bit scarred from a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah. What's that? <laughs> a little. Whew. Yes. Um, it, it, but I'll check the news. It all pisses me off. Like nothing. Then none of them. I'm like, what? Why? Why? So then I, right when I, I just see, I'm like, no, go into the chess app. And you could do like little. Um, puzzles where they're just like this move, like what's the best move. And you get points. If you figured out the best move, you can play the computer, you can jump into a tournament. I, I played some guy from Sweden at like uh, five in the morning when I couldn't, I woke up, I couldn't fall back asleep. Just playing this guy. Yeah. That sounded weird. Um, I won. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 ah, 
I beat that Swedish man. Um, so <laughs> anyway. Uh, never mind. <laughs> um, anyway, well, cool. G- give uh, Melissa and the girls my best. And uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, and I'll shoot you the, uh, however right. I edit it. I'll let you listen. Cool. To I'm sure first. you're going to do some rough right, cuts, cool. like some, some bloopers too. Oh yeah, those will just be for right. our eyes only. Oh my! Can you say that? <laughs> you can't say you can't say <laughs> anymore because my kids told me that. Dad, you can't say that. What if somebody is? <laughs> you can't say that. I'm. But they, I guess I can't like say first. I want everyone to know I'm. <laughs> before I use. <laughs> I'm kidding me. So many words you can't. We can't use anymore that we used when we were kids. Not say right yeah. now. Like you guys used to call me a. F- well, I mean, remember? Yeah. Look at you. I still, I still say that. I still say that. I still tell her. She's like, I was, I was like, I used to, I used to be a sweet boy. I had an aunt that called me a little sweets. So I'd be all like, yay. And I remember one time I, I ran up to my brother Jeremy, Jeremy, and I said, Jeremy, Jeremy, I was on the Nintendo and I played this. And he goes, Oh, were you on the Nintendo? You're fucking. <laughs> you sound like a fucking. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Ever since that day, I was like, what? <clears throat> I played yeah. fucking Nintendo. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I've had to suppress the, 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 the little sweets in me ever since. Suppress the little sweets. Ah, that, <laughs> that needs to be your Tinder yes. tag or whatever. <laughs> little sweets. Suppress little sweets. All right. This, that's all edited out. Oh, oh my God. God. All right. <laughs> get, get in there and be my brown daddy. All right. Well, it was good talking to you. We'll talk to you later. All right, man. All right. See you.